There's this myth that to be an artist, you must struggle. I'm here to tell you that that's not true. This is a podcast for people who are looking to realign with their inspiration and intuition. We chat with industry professionals about everything from their spiritual experiences to the everyday practices that help them stay energetically and mentally in tune. My name is Madeline Corliss. I'm the creator of The Energy Studio. Welcome to The Energy Studio Podcast. If you work in a creative career, I want to let you know about my course, Unblock Your Creative Career. Unblock Your Creative Career is a nine-week intensive that combines psychology, industry knowledge, and energy healing to help you realign and thrive as a creative being. For more information about Unblock Your Creative Career, check out my website, the-energy-studio.com. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's it's Monday. It's We're here. We're moving. We're grooving. Um, <laughs> Thank you for doing this and for going live and having this little chit chat. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so just like a quick backstory. So the other day, uh, Kristen posted something on her story about wanting to create safe working environments. And I sent her a message. And then later I was like, you know, I think this is something that actually needs to be talked about more. Um, and I mean, it is being talked about right now, which is great. Um, but uh, I then messaged her and was like, hey, would you come on and do, uh, this is going to be transferred over to a podcast for the Energy Studio podcast. So that'll come out on Thursday if you're a uh, audio person. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to just hop on and talk about these things. So the one question I always ask is, who are you and what do you do? Oh, well, I'm Kristen. My name is Kristen Brooks-Sandler, uh, and I do a fair amount of things, um, <laughs> as I think we all do these days. Um, but I am a choreographer. Um, I am a director. I am, uh, my movement is my language. I have a, a dance company called Thistle Dance, um, and I've been a performer, and I live in Astoria, New York, and I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's the basics. <laughs> I love it love it. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, kind of what you posted the other day about the importance of, well, your feelings about creating healthy work environments and spaces for people? Yeah. Um, so I posted something on an Instagram story, which is not usually my style. Um, so very odd and very kind of uh, a little bit vulnerable for me. So that's a good thing. Um, there's a lot of conversation right now about individuals, performers taking back their power. And I think that that's a really important conversation to have because we've lived in a very hierarchical theater, dance, arts world for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, arguably forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in my life, I was a performer. I still perform when I know the people and I like people. Um, but something that struck me through a couple of different experiences was just, I can't control the safety of a room when I'm a performer. And perhaps that is changing because of the bravery of many people right now speaking out and maybe that will shift and I'm hoping that it does. Um, but for me personally, I had uh, one moment where I was realized that my calling, what I wanted to do as an artist was choreography and movement. Um, and then I had another moment after I had had gone there where I realized 
it's not just about what I want to do. It's kind of what I have to do. I can't fix it from the bottom up. And so my response to that was that I must be, you know, a person in power, a person behind the table in order to ensure the safety of a room, in order to ensure the safety of my collaborators. I have much more of a voice to, uh, or at least I felt that I had much more of a voice to control the safety of the room from behind the table than I did from uh, the other side of it. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. And um, and what I responded in response to that post was saying, you know, I think uh, as artists, we do ourselves a disservice by uh, accepting that we have to suffer to work or that we have to put ourselves in unhealthy environments to work. And mm -hmm. I think that's just not true. And when we, uh, when we set our own boundaries and say, you know what, that is one job, but there are other companies and there are other people like yourself who do create safe spaces, who, uh, do value and prioritize the safety of the people working in the room. And I believe that the art always is significantly better because of it. Um, because how do you create when you're scared? Like, I don't think you don't. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think we do ourselves a disservice when we, we prioritize working over a safe working environment. Um, yeah. When you're younger, the dream is always about the what, right? Whether you're in our mm -hmm. business or another one, I want to do this thing. I want to be this thing. What am I going to be? What are you going to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. But I think that as you become an adult and you experience the what, you realize that the how is actually the more important thing. Mm -hmm. How am I going to do this thing? It's, you know, in, in the arts forum, it's not exactly what the show is, but it's how the show is created and mm -hmm. how the show is rehearsed and how, you know, the cast works together and how the, you know, it's all the hows that we, and you don't really think about that when you're a kid. And so I think, and when you're dreaming. And so I think you get a little bit blindsided by the what. I, this is the goal. This is the penultimate thing. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, that's also like, oddly enough, that's a very like American theater thing in my experience. Um, mm -hmm. I've had the pleasure of working on in the musical theater sphere in Sweden and in Denmark. And because they don't have that like penultimate Broadway, mm -hmm. this is the status thing. They take jobs because they want to take jobs, not to climb the ladder. And that was very eye-opening for me as a creative to go like, oh, there is no ladder here. Um, and that makes, I feel like as a performer, understanding that success isn't one thing for everybody can make you more confident in, in asserting yourself and um, finding safe rooms and doing things that are safe. Um, because it's not, I'm gonna, I have to do this thing because this director knows this person who's doing this thing on Broadway and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. um, as uh, amazing as some of the art that has gone up on Broadway is, and as amazing as many of the performers that are in that sector are, it's not the end all be all and to, put it kind of on this pedestal is I think one of the reasons that rooms get so unsafe and performers are willing to do so much for so little. And I don't just mean monetarily, I mean like 
you know, soul wise and, <laughs> and, you know, well-being wise and fulfillment wise. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I went on a tangent, but <laughs> no, I love this tangent. And I think it's so interesting because I was talking with a friend last night about with all this stuff coming up, I'm remembering my own experiences and kind of doing an inventory of what are the things that I have, have accepted because I wanted to work. And there was a theater that somebody warned me about, like literally was sitting in a car and they were like, this will likely happen if you go work at this theater. And I remember thinking, I can handle it. And like, looking back, thinking about like, why, why does it seem like being tough enough to handle unsafe environments is a prerequisite to being a performer? Like, that's just so backwards in my yeah. mind. And I just, it, it blows my mind. And now I'm in a place where I can look at that and be like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not going near that place with a 10 foot pole, not worth my time, not worth my energy. But at that time, the concept of being seen as a working actor, being having that achievement or having whatever on my resume was more important. Yeah, I mean, there's two, there's two things to unpack there as well. One is this misnomer that you have to be a starving artist to be a good artist. You have to mm -hmm. suffer for your art in order to create good art. And I think that that comes as a generational thing as well. I think, uh, you know, for me, looking at the way that I choreograph, the way that I direct, I feel very blessed to be able to choreograph and direct in such a collaborative way because of the women who came before me and who kind of kicked down those doors and were always in charge and, and had to always be right. Um, because of the way that they've done things, I've been able to do things in a much more collaborative way. So I'm grateful for that. But there's a level of like generational trickle down that is completely unnecessary right now. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, your success is not determined by your suffering. Mm -hmm. In the same way, your success is not determined by your optics, right? Mm. Like, you know, a lot of the ability to, or a lot of the reason that people do it, as you just said, right, it has to look good on my resume so that this, so that that, so that somebody else can give me the stamp that I'm worthy enough to be an artist and that's not how it works right we all know that we, like you can be playing your dream role i you know one of the moments i had knowing about choreography or figuring out that's what i wanted to do i had been told right you're in the ensemble and you're a non-act and then you play a principal and you move up and you get your card and then you're in the ensemble and then you you know and then you cover a principal and then you're a principal and you're a star and you're happy and everything's great yeah, that's not everybody's journey, but that nope. is often the way that it's pitched to us. And so, you know, I personally had a, a real moment, you know, I was playing Velma Kelly in a production of Chicago, the shortest, youngest Velma Kelly there's ever been, but Velma Kelly nonetheless. I played her at 20, how old was I? 21? I was 21 for some reason. You know, uh, truly absurd. Um, <laughs> but standing there in like a thousand seat house, you know, with a wonderful orchestra behind me. And all, all I wanted to do is like help the, the, the ensemble that was behind me. All I wanted to do was talk to them about what Fosse is and make them feel comfortable and 
fix the show that was happening behind me, but not for me, for them. And that was a big pivot point for me personally. And it Mm -hmm. helped me being a choreographer has helped me to realize that like the only person that knows if you're doing the work is you. The only person that knows if you're a good artist is you. It's all about what you think and no level of external, there is no level of external validation specifically for actors that lets us feel comfortable, right? Think of the person you don't know, aunt three times removed, what do you do? Like, oh, I'm an actor, I'm a dancer, I'm a singer. Are you on Broadway, right? Your answer Mm -hmm. is either yes or no, even if it's yes. Were you in Phantom of the Opera, right? Like, Phantom is wonderful and there are wonderful people in Phantom and I love you all, but I have talked to some of them and they don't feel successful. Do you know what I mean? There's no way, you know, unless you're Ben Affleck, in which case nobody's asking what you do because you, you know, and even that's not fully validating. So I don't think that there's any level of resume credit external validation that is going to make anyone feel like an artist. And so it all comes from within and what you think is good and what you feel is valid um and so that's the other part of it to unpack is like you're not going to suffer enough or look good enough to be a good artist those things though they've been pitched to us that way they don't matter what matters is what you feel and a lot of that has to do with what we're talking about with safety Mm -hmm. right and being your own best advocate um and knowing what balance what level of balance you're interested in striking. Cause sometimes, right? Sometimes we we get a dream show. I've always wanted to play this role. And the director is mm-hmm. right. Either because of talent, right? Because of you know, hopefully if it's any of the things that tip the scale, right? Like mm-hmm. harassment or racism or right. And that's a that's a hard no. But sometimes you're like, oh, you, t- you, you took four hours to stage this one scene and we're right back to the first version of it. And that's frustrating to me. That's the kind of suffering, right? That we kind of, we balance out. We go, okay, but I really like this show. I really like this cast. This mm-hmm. kind of a thing is worth it. Um, but kind of the scale of that is so skewed right now. Yeah. Um, or has been maybe, maybe forever. Um, yeah. We're lucky enough to be in a place and a situation where people are openly talking about it. Because the other side of it is that if creatives aren't doing some, are doing something to make a room feel unsafe, they should be notified. If I am in a room and I am doing something to make someone feel unsafe, which I try as hard as I possibly can not to, that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. That doesn't, I'm actually, I'm a hundred percent sure I have fucked up and I'm going to fuck up in the future. I need to know And that can't happen if my actors don't feel empowered to talk to me about those things. Mm -hmm. I can't get better, even as someone who really, really, really wants to, you know? And so without the voice of the individual and the voice of the collective in the room, you know, you're lost. We need that, we need that balance. Um, And it's hard to find because it's been so out of whack for our lifetimes and many before that. completely agree and something that's coming to mind is um somebody who did the last round of my course unblock your creative career we talk a lot about boundaries in that course and she got a gig and went 
to like the first day of whatever it was, or like they were sending out the COVID protocol. And she said to me a few days after the gig, she said, you know, I was so scared to voice my needs about the protocol, but I did it because I felt like I had to stand up for myself in that way. And like three people on set thanked her and came up to her and they were like, I didn't have, I didn't feel safe voicing that, but I'm so glad you did because I feel safer now. And so I think that so much of it does start with the individual of when it's a butterfly effect. When one person sets the example, others see that it is okay and it is safe and that we're not going to have our entire career stripped away from us for standing up for ourselves, that we will have success and that we don't have to live in fear. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a large part of that is that the other side of the table needs to give those opportunities. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about that a lot in my dance company. And, and I talk a lot about like, you have the ability to say no, please practice saying no, say no to me. If it doesn't feel good in your body, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Just say no, just mm -hmm. say no, but we're not used to it. And we don't, yeah. we're not given a format. Like we have a company meeting for every show we're ever in, right? Yeah. Why, why isn't part of that company meeting talking about, you know, these sorts of things? Yeah. If you feel unsafe, this is the protocol. Mm -hmm. protocols real like real rules that you can follow that you don't have to make up so you know leaving that space and figuring out how to make that space so that these these concerns can be voiced mm -hmm. um in a way that makes everybody feel comfortable and that there are steps that you don't have to just you know even if it's you know when you're a kid and you have to raise your hand in the middle of class and say can i go to the bathroom it makes you nervous and that's a perfectly normal thing mm -hmm. right if you're somebody having to raise your hand in the middle of a job and say something that's not popular or may not be popular or that hasn't been you know that there hasn't been space made for of course that's difficult and pop yeah. on top of it that we've been you know preached to and conditioned that if we step out of line specifically dancers but everybody i think mm -hmm. if we step out of line somebody could take away our ability to be a professional mm -hmm. which is a lie yeah which is a lie. a lie um no one can stop you from being an artist if there are enough people in the world that listen to that person I mean, it's happened, let me be clear. It's happened and it does happen, but your individuality and your health of the thing that you're saying no to, it's worth it. It's mm -hmm. worth it. Yeah. It's absolutely worth it. Yes, Taylor said, less lessening the fear of speaking out with the result of retribution. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're scared that it's gonna be a lashback and, you know, specifically, I mean, for everybody, but of course I'm even, I'm speaking from a place of privilege as mm -hmm. a cis white woman, yep. you know, I, I am, you know, if I'm in a cast, I'm one of many, but like, especially when it's specific, something that's maybe specific to race or specific to gender identity, specific to anything that's other, mm -hmm. you know, now you've got a, you feel like you've got a target on your back. So why would you speak out? You know, yeah. that's, I, Taylor, who was on here, I have talked with her about that. Erin, who was on here, I've talked to her about that. You know, I've had that because it's for different reasons. That's not my personal story to tell, but you know, it's a thing that we have to consider is if we don't have these moments of recourse and even anonymous moments of recourse, which I think are, are the most important ones, these specific things, these steps that we have to take that are totally normal, but they have in every other business. 
HR. Why don't we have an HR department? We don't have HR. <laughs> Theater needs HR more than anything, but more than HR, HR works for the company, right? We need someone working for the people that are hired by the company. So I, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And like, I think, uh, I think part of what makes it hard is that it's so deeply ingrained in the system right now. Like, uh, even as you were talking about saying no, I was thinking of all the times that I have been told to be the yes person and to be the person who can do it all. And like, no, like last time I did Chicago, there was a point where I was supposed to do back walkovers across the stage. And then there was a series of events that made that get cut. But thinking back, I'm like, I wasn't in a place physically at that point where I could do that in eight shows a week and feel good why was I still the yes person? And that's something like so minor, but like it's even still, we're taught to be the yes people. And then we're also, I was watching a video that's been circulating um, about the union and I'm a union member and, um, and about the process of getting into the union and how that supports the idea of the struggle. Like we have to struggle to pay our dues to be taken care of by a union where no other unions work that way. We're always told we're in a business of yes, but what if we're also in a business of no, of being able to be like, no, that's not in alignment with, with what is healthy. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah. we should, we should be in a business of truth. We should yes. stop lying it, because I mean, on both sides of it, right? Yeah. Like we should stop lying to ourselves. We should stop lying to creatives, creatives should stop lying to their actors. We just have to be truthful. If you can do back walkovers eight shows a week and that's totally within your wheelhouse, then yeah. that's fine. That's not, I don't think that's absurd for a creative to ask you. No. But if you don't feel comfortable with that, we have to all take, we have to be in the business of truth. We have to, and we have to be able to take that truth. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be. You have to say yes or. I actually have yeah. talked to my, in directing film, I have mm -hmm. talked to my director's photography about this, um, my, specifically my male directors of photography. Mm -hmm. Of like, when we get on set with a dancer, you can't right off the bat ask them to do something that they may or may not feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. May or may not, they might be totally fine. But if we haven't cleared it in a meeting before we do it, dancing in a fire hydrant, whatever, yeah. you know, something magical is happening. You can't walk up to them and say, hey, can you do this thing? Because their answer is going to be yes, mm -hmm. regardless of whether they feel comfortable because they've been conditioned. Mm -hmm. There's a person in power asking me to do something and it's not going to break me probably. So I'm just going to say yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to say yes. And I've had discussions with them and they've learned if they work with me that they simply must, um, that they simply must wait to build the trust to mm -hmm. ask that sort of a question. Not because I need the dancer to trust me so they'll say yes. I need the dancer to trust me so they feel comfortable saying no if they're not mm -hmm. comfortable. Yeah. Um, and anyone in power, specifically somebody behind a camera, kind of elicits that immediately. It's like, oh, you're in charge. You got the camera. You can make me look good. You know, yeah. I'll say yes to you. Or force, uh, yeah, somebody just commented, or forced to say yes because the first person before you could do it. Yeah, like mm -hmm. that sort of, you know, track slotting sort of thing is 
infuriating. Um, but yeah, I think that it goes both ways. And the thing about truth is that when you tell someone your truth, the truth, they have to react and believe you. And that's the second part of this. It has to be a business of truth and a business of belief. Yeah. If you look at me and say, I can't do back walkovers eight shows a week, my answer has to be, okay, because I should, as a creative, care more about you and your long-term well-being than this one moment in this show. No one moment in any show or any dance or any anything is worth your health and safety, either physically or mentally. Not worth it. Um, so I do think that that's kind of a twofold situation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just saying no or yes, it's being truthful and being able to listen and take that truth and be more concerned with the the long term, the overall than just this moment, just this show. Theater mm -hmm. is wonderful and I love theater and I love dance and I think it's very powerful and it can be life changing. But if this past year has taught us anything, it's that nobody needs to do anything that's going to affect your well-being long term it's not a necessity art yeah. will always be there art will always be happening in your living room in your shower by yourself art is happening you yeah. can't kill that that's not going away mm -hmm. ever um but this business the business of theater mm -hmm. that's what needs the reform you know yeah and the safety yeah I okay. totally agree with you um ranting <laughs> no I love this I let's rant for days um <laughs> that's literally the whole purpose of my podcast is I was like I just want to like talk to my friends and let people listen <laughs> um kind of flipping things a little bit before we wrap up uh I have a lot of people who uh, follow me are performers and performers who are uh, who prioritize their own mental wellness and their own well-being. And so my question as somebody who's on the other side of the table, what are things that you value when looking for people to work with aside from like, can you pick your face? You know, look, I value honesty and authenticness so much more than kicking your face. I will change choreography, anything for someone who is a good person. Mm -hmm. um, I do say that, you know, from a purely casting perspective, no one wants to cast an actor. Everyone wants to cast a person who happens to be able to do the things you need them to do. Mm -hmm. um, because even though it's not pitched like this, casting should go both ways. Much like when you choose a college or when you choose literally almost anything else, right? You want it and it wants you. Mm -hmm. It should be equal. Yeah. And so that is skewed for us right now. But so when I'm looking for someone and I'm casting for things, I want to see you. I want to see what you like to do and who you are. I can, you, let me tell you, from a performing perspective, you can smell inauthenticity from a mile away, from the moment yes. you walk in the door. And I always go, but why? Why are you putting, I understand if you're nervous, that's like a totally normal thing. There's a difference, right? There's a mm -hmm. difference between I'm a little bit chatty or my voice is a little bit high pitched because I'm nervous right now. And 
I'm putting on a person to be the kind of person you want to cast. That doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work. It's not attractive. It's not good. And even if you're the most talented person in the world, I will pick someone who we have to work on the notes with before I pick someone who cannot be themselves in a room because that's what we want to see on stage is truth. Um, And also when I run into you at the coffee shop, I want to be able to have a normal conversation with you. You know, we're looking for from the other side of the table, we're always looking for people to do what they do the best that they possibly can on any given day because it changes day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, we can always ask you for sides. I will say that I was, as a performer, I was totally someone who always stressed out about this song, what it's in this style. And I, sometimes I would like learn a new cut for a song, which is like for an audition, which is like absolutely the worst idea in the entire world. Don't do that. For me, Somebody can come in and sing a song that maybe isn't quite right for the show or dance in a style that isn't quite right for the show. But if I think that I can rehearse them, that's what rehearsal's for. I wanna see what you can do within the boundaries, right? Don't sing me next to normal if all we've got is 1950s, 1940s musical theater. That'll get you cut, just so you know, like most likely because I can't see you in the world, but, Generally speaking, to uh, some, oh, so many comments. I love it. Um, generally speaking, I just want to see who you are so yeah. that I can see if you're right for this, because I don't want to put you in a show that you're not going to do well at and you're not going to enjoy. Everybody wants to book the job. I get that. But you want to book a job that you're going to enjoy, that you're going to be right for. Mm-hmm. You don't want to book a job where you're a square peg in a round hole yeah. and, you know, you don't fit the vision of the show. Um, so I'd say be authentically you and do the things for auditions that you enjoy doing mm-hmm. because that's half the battle is have a good time. Yeah. And if you mess something up and you have a bad day, you have a bad day. If you mess up your cut, ask to start over. Ask to start over. That's a part of the agency, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, I missed that. Can I, can we just, I need a, you do something and you do a terrible note or they're like, can you show us this thing? And you need to warm up be like, I need five seconds. Tell them what mm-hmm. you need because most of the time they, not most of the time, 100% of the time, everyone who is sitting behind the table wants you to be the answer. Why? Because mm-hmm. it's easiest for us. If you walk in and you give me everything I've ever wanted, that makes my job easier. I don't have to look anymore. Great. Got it. Booked it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, so everyone, regardless of what they might look like, and sometimes people are terrible, but in my rooms, I'll at least I'll speak to you. Everyone is rooting for you to be the right answer. Um, so you just want to go in and you want to be as much of yourself as you possibly can on any given day. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean you have to show us all of yourself. If you're having a rough day or there's a song that's right for the show, but you're not feeling it right now, don't sing it. Sing what feels safe to you. Sing what feels good. Sing what you're going to walk out of the room and feel, hmm, I got to sing today. Great. You know, dance in the style and in the way that you can. Your back's hurting today. There's a back bend in the combo. Don't kill yourself. That's what, what rehearsal's for. That's what rehearsal's for. We all know that you can do it. Um, so. I think that answered the question. I love that answer. That was amazing. And (laughs) my final question for you is if people want to follow you or see what you do, how do they do that? Well, I have Instagram. 
it's at Kristen Brooks 19. So you can follow me there. Um, and uh, my dance company is on there. It's in my bio, um, as well as everything else. But you know, if you need anything, or you have questions about, I mean, to you or to any of your friends that are listening, um, please feel free to reach out. Um, the safety of rooms is so, so very important. And there's absolutely no reason that they shouldn't be safe. And so if you have questions transparently about things that have happened or things you want to unpack, I am here for you as a fellow creative because I've been so blessed in my life to have mentors and fellow creatives that have done that for me. And that has answered a lot of questions. So I just want to open that up. If you know, there are things you want to talk about, please reach out and here for you and here to continue this conversation about uh, art. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. This was so lovely. My pleasure. And people, please do take her up on, on reaching out. Like, she really will talk to you. She's a human. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Go I'm figure. Human. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Energy Studio podcast. If you're interested in other course offerings or some free downloads, check out our free online community. There's a link in the show notes to join. And last but certainly not least, if you enjoyed the music at the beginning of this episode, check out the album Shadow People by our dear friends over at the Heartstrings Project. It was released back in December of 2020, and Deepak Chopra has already named it one of the top new albums of the year. That's all for now. We'll talk soon. My feet.